0: We need to talk. Yes, good afternoon and welcome along to We Need to Talk with MJO, the proverbial waitrose meal deal of marketing podcasts. I'm Michael John Oliver, marketing director at MBK Search, and it is a delight to have you along with us today. And joining me very shortly is workplace well-being expert Rebecca Held, and we'll be chatting about the elephants in the corner of every marketing department around the world. The one that's, uh, you know, the one that's labelled burnout. We're going to find out what burnout is, how to spot it, and what to do when you actually feel it. Plus, we have our usual smorgasbord of marketing-related bollocks and nonsense because on this show, we have issues and we need to talk. We need to talk. But before we get to that, we're ascending the, the lofty peaks of marketing discourse to take in a view from the mountaintop. And this week, I want to pay a a very solemn tribute to the the classiest recruitment companies in the business, in the game, the the Belvedere of the staffing sector. I'm speaking, of course, of those recruitment companies who, over the summer, have laid off their marketing teams. Uh, The ones who have snatched away the crowns like a a 1950s headmaster and given everyone the old heave-ho. And and listen, folks, I, I understand. Here in the halcyon days of late-stage capitalism, sometimes a business has to make cuts. And when you're the kind of, you know, loss leader on the PL sheet, marketing tends to be the first one to go. And you know, it sucks. For every marketer who finds themselves dealing with the ignominy of having to job search during a cost-of-living crisis, you not only have my sympathies, but you have my full-throated support. This podcast will chest bump the value of marketing all day, every day. But this isn't for you. This is for those agencies. I just wanna, I wanna invite them to come in and take a seat for a second. Those companies who have made those cuts to their operations and support teams. I just want you to come in, come in, get real tight, get real close. Let's have a word. Just a word. I mean, are you comfy? Are you listening? Because here is that word, TACT, T-A-C-T, defined by the Oxford Dictionary as having, quote, consideration or politeness in dealing with others, or diplomacy or skill, and handling delicate situations, or, in simple terms, just knowing how to read the room. Because if you have laid people off, I'm begging you, I am begging you, to deploy some tact in what you put on social media. Because there is nothing quite as insulting as to be told that you are an expense a company cannot carry and then see that same company post photos from their summer party piss up a short time later. Oh, we can't afford to keep a marketing team on the books, but there's always money in the banana stand for dry humping a prosecco bottle at a London rooftop bar. Might I suggest that word again, tact. That should be the North Star by which your agency sails by. I mean, by all means. If recruiters getting on the piss is part of your employer brand, then go nuts, go hog wild. But remember this, employer brand is about more than what you say publicly. It's about what you do when nobody is looking. And if this is what you're doing when people are actually looking, then God help those whose livelihoods depend on your continued existence. Because folks, this is this is getting boring. This is I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing the same unremitting dedication to mediocrity that so many recruitment companies revel in. I'm tired of reading horror stories about recruitment companies who think the wolf of Wall Street is a blueprint. I'm tired of hearing about recruitment companies ghosting candidates calling people shitters, and being an absolute sea of human tragedy. I'm tired of middle-aged men running recruitment companies in Charles Tirrett long sleeves with the top four buttons undone, chugging back Morettis at places called Browns, that they'll they'll chuck the bears on the company credit card the same day they tell their quote-unquote marketing girl that she's too expensive to keep. I'm tired. It's boring. I'm tired of defending an industry that doesn't even seem to care. And that's just boring. Because as the great band, underrated band, fantastic name too, Porridge Radio said, I don't want to be bitter. I want us to get better. I want us to be kinder to ourselves and to each other. One of the many steps in that journey to kindness is for recruitment to deploy a little T-A-C-T. Because nobody, nobody, has ever got lost sailing by that North star. And that is the view from the mountaintop. We need to talk. It is 23 minutes, I believe it is, to the top of the hour and from the mountaintop back to ground level and there's nothing quite like the feeling of starting a new job and hitting the ground running. You know, and in marketing, that's what we do. We come in. We run around, we break things, and we do it again, and again, and again. And that fast pace, that's what makes the job fun, right? That's, but then you're asked to do more things at the same speed, and then even more things, and more, and more. And then suddenly, you're not hitting the ground running anymore, you're just hitting the wall. I don't know a single marketer who hasn't felt some kind of burnout, even if they don't know that that's the technical term, they know the effects, like the back of their hand that's just being slapped across their face. But how do you know that you're burned out? What can you do when you're feeling it? And what can you do to prevent it? So joining us today to explore all things burnout is workplace well-being expert, Rebecca Held. Good afternoon, Rebecca.
1: Needed to make sure I wasn't on mute anymore then. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me, Michael.
0: It is is my absolute pleasure. And before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of what Bernard is and what we can do to spot it, I think it's worthwhile you telling us a little bit about your story. How is it that you came to be a a workplace well-being expert?
1: Yes, great question. Where do we start? So I, um, my background is in education, leadership and education. So I, before I set up my business, I worked for almost 15 years, leading and developing teams um, for my local authority. I started off as a secondary school teacher, um, but very early on shifted into, um, I suppose a leadership, yeah, a leadership role. And during that time, there was a lot going on for me personally. I was battling an eating disorder. I was um, suffering from domestic abuse as well. But I was still fighting against this this constant um, in and out of burnout, I guess is what you could say. Um, And I literally, on the face of it, no one ever would have known what was going on behind closed doors everybody would have just thought, you know, she's there, she's, she's doing a job, she's getting on with things. But I, it was just literally eating away at my soul. And then I had my second son, um, had what I would, I suppose you could say it was a breakdown. It was a, an accumulation of, of all the stress and the trauma. And I decided once I got myself better, that I wanted to set up my own business to help people that had been in the same situation that I was in. Um, personally and professionally. Now, interestingly, I started my journey in nutrition, hence the the title of my business or the name of my business, more than nutrition. Um, so I started out with really focusing on trying to help men and women heal their relationship with food because I saw that that was something that was pivotal, I think, to to, to the way that I was feeling and um, you know and, and something that I was hiding behind. Um, but I very early on attracted leaders, business owners um, who I think were on the surface of it struggling with their nutrition but there was lots of other things going on. Like you said, I don't think people always really really recognize what what the, the cause the root causes are of their burnout or their suffering. Um, so very quickly I turned into I suppose what you could say a one-to-one well-being coach. then those organ- then those business leaders, decided that they wanted me to get in and work with their teams so I ended up going in and doing some wellness workshops and wellness coaching for organizations but as you can imagine with my background in in leadership and culture development I very soon realized that doing that doing you know educating teams educating employees was only going to to get so far if the culture and the leadership weren't right Mm -hmm. you know we need to be making sure that as leaders and as you know as organizations we are setting the scene to help our employees and if we're not doing that then you can put in as many nutrition as many mindfulness as many you know yoga activities into an organization as you want you can buy as many pool tables as you want you know but if you're not looking at the fundamentals you know the organizational structures and and the way that the leadership team are are functioning then it's not going to work so it was about so basically i kind of went transition the business to to work with leadership teams um i'm really developing that culture of burnout prevention
0: that is that speaks right to one of the key points doesn't it that in a lot of companies, it is not just about addressing the symptoms, it's about addressing the disease. And disease, I think, is the right word for it, is a chronic disease that, that sets in. And a lot of people think, well, yeah, if we put out pool tables and bean bags and, you know, have pizza parties, we're kind of, we're taking care of it. Or I think that the term I saw on, on LinkedIn, actually, was something like fitness washing, or something oh, like it's that, yeah. Well- it, it, yeah, well being what that's it, that's the that's the key. Well being washing, yeah. Well being yeah, washing. About, yeah. 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 I, but this is kind of the crux, isn't it? It's a, it's a burnout there seems to be a term that people think they have an understanding of. But is it that burnout is one of the most misunderstood words in work and that the first step in putting something real and concrete in place is to actually understand what it is you're treating.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think I was just talking about this yesterday in a web- in a webinar, I, you know, I I do think burnout has been so misunderstood and, you know, kind of brushed aside for so long. But recently, the World Health Organization did identify it as a, a buildup of um, unmanaged chronic stress in the workplace so you know it has now been kind of it's been set in stone it's been you know we, we now know what it is but i still think there's a lot of education that needs to be done um you know to to get that message out because i think there's, there's there's two things i think really that have come out of um the world health organization recognizing it and i think the first thing is that because we now see it as we understand that it is um you know uh a result of unmanaged stress in the workplace, it takes the emphasis away from the individual, it takes away, we've always said, you know, let's, you know, but we can avoid burnout by, you know, having early nights, having hot baths, you know, taking walks and and, and making sure that we're eating well. But like I said, the emphasis now is on organisations is on leaders to actually put strategies in place to prevent it because it's a wee problem to solve. Yes, As individuals, as employees, we need to be making sure that we are doing what we need to be doing to look after ourselves. But it's going to fall short if, as an organisation, we're not putting things in place. Um, And yeah, and and like I said, I think it, it will hopefully open the way for, you know, for people to be more educated in the area and for more therapeutic strategies to kind of come into play um if that
0: makes sense absolutely and one of the things a lot of people who listen to this are senior marketers who will be managing marketing teams of by and large young people junior marketers who are either in their first or second jobs and as i mentioned in the intro when you're in a field like marketing you are the everything department you are not only copywriting you're also a graphic designer you're also a website manager you're also dealing with the analytics and sometimes you are the the person who has to you know restock the printer You, you you are the everything department And when you are in the thick of it, when you're a leader, oftentimes you have your head in the clouds, you're thinking about the big picture things, and you don't really get a sense of what's happening at ground level. So what are those signs that leaders, even if you're not even in marketing, what are those signs that something is happening, that burnout is becoming a lot more prevalent? What are the things to be looking for?
1: Yeah, um, just before I go into that as well, I also wanted to say, I think uh, that, when because it's now been identified as a workplace phenomenon and it is the you know it is the it's the biggest occupational hazard within the workplace um you you know we we shouldn't be referring to burnout as something that is related to to what's happening in our lives you know in our home lives you know burnout specifically does relate I mean you know like I said is it we need to be making sure that we are looking after ourselves holistically but burnout is a result of Businesses and organisations not recognising it and not knowing what to put in place, or not, or maybe turning a blind eye to it um, because of, of the lack of awareness. But yeah, um, great question. So now, what I'll say is there are there are there are kind of three key signs that someone is burning out, or that you are burning out yourself. Um, but what I want to say is that these will manifest in all sorts of different ways, um, and and it's really about understanding your people understanding yourself so that you can identify these if that makes sense um so first of all which will not surprise anybody um i don't think is the the feelings of depletion and exhaustion so if you're constantly tired if you are no matter how much sleep you get you're still exhausted you're waking up not feeling refreshed if you are doing the things that you used to enjoy but you're not getting the same same out of them, you're not enjoying them as much. Then the chances are that you are um, you are burning out. The second sign is really that kind of that disconnection um, from work, and this this can this often manifests itself in negative language. So if you're hearing people around the workplace talking about how you know things are never going to get any better any around here, I'm never going to feel any better, things are never going to change, you know any negative language like that. know this is again a sure sign that somebody is burning out or on the road to burning out and then the third one which i think again is kind of often overlooked is this this feeling that we're not doing our job very well now this could be a perception or it could be reality but if you constantly feel like you're failing or you constantly feel like you're not doing the, the job that you know that you can do and you're just hitting your head against a brick wall all of the time then again, this is another sign that you're you're feeling burnt out. And this can show itself up as as a lack of confidence. Like I said, you really need to get to know your individual people to know how these signs are manifesting themselves behaviorally and um, through attitude.
0: It's one of those things where it's easier said than done, isn't it? And it's the kind of thing where when you are when you're managing a team and you're not only looking out for the the well-being of everyone who is who is there who who reports into you but you're also looking out for yourself is there you know is there is it kind of like a mental check that a person can do to kind of you know take stock of where they are as well as take stock of the people who are re- reporting into them too well yeah and i, I
1: think um it's super important that as as leaders that we are um always checking in with ourselves and that we are being able to be open and honest with ourselves and i would say that you know that all of those signs that i've just mentioned there you know how often are they occurring or are they occurring you know are you feeling that way two three four five times a week if you are then you are you know when when you know what the signs are when you can identify them in yourself and you're if you're experiencing them more than two or three times a week then i would suggest you talk to to your manager maybe you access your employee assistance program but i think the thing is is that we have to make sure that we are staying healthy ourselves if we are going to make sure that we are creating a legacy of well-being amongst our teams
0: one of the things that i feel is is perhaps misunderstood uh, is that and then you you alluded to it just now that burnout or indeed something you know akin to burnout can be solved by just taking a couple of weeks off taking a break you know going on a spa treatment you know you know joining a gym all of those all those things are, are fantastic but this is something far more chronic something far more you know pervasive so when you are when you can tell hang on a second this is more than just being tired this is more than just Day-to-day work stress. This is something a little bit more fundamental. As an individual, even if you are a new member of a team and you're still expected to, hey, just you're meant to turn up tomorrow morning and keep doing the same job again. What's on, what are some of the things you can do to one make make it seem a little less daunting, and two bring other people in and to help alleviate that burnout pressure that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's about it is about being having those open and honest conversations, isn't it? And and I think the way that we can bring this to the fore and be more open and, and honest about it is is being vulnerable, is allowing ourselves to be vulnerable in the workplace, allowing ourselves to talk about what is going on. Because I think this is if we are, you know, there are, there are, there are two things to consider here. One is. If we're going to put things into place to alleviate burnout, we need to understand what the root causes are, first of all. And there are six of those. And then secondly, you know, it's about having those regular, conversations i mean i talk about non-work related check-ins where you know on a regular basis i'd say on a weekly basis teams are getting together and they are talking about things that are non-work related and i always say stick to stick to having three questions you know how are you but the research shows that only 19 percent of the time when we say that we are okay do we mean it yeah but usually you know we're quite happy when someone says how are you and someone says fine we're quite happy to just accept that because we don't really want to know what's going on for someone else do we because we've got so many other things going on
0: it's an extremely Um, british thing that isn't it the kind of how how, it's an extremely british thing isn't it just just, just, to typecast in my antipodean way but that that classic how are you doing not too bad not good not amazing just i could be worse
1: yeah exactly and it's just like yeah yeah and it kind of is shrugged off and it's like well what's the point (laughs) what even is the point in having the the um i wouldn't even say conversation but Hmm. and then the the second thing um to kind of ask is you know share a high and a low share a high and a low that's happened to you this week nothing to do with work and i think it's such a basic simple question almost like the questions that you'd ask your children at bedtime but they will provide you with so much information about what lights a person up, and what actually they may be struggling with. Um, you know what you may need to be putting in place to support them, or how you could reward them in the future. You know, I I, um, I was working with another American organisation recently, and they they implemented this non-work related check-in, and one of the in, one of the in, in one of the teams, and one of the. Um, leaders she came to me and she said oh my god she said Rebecca just by doing that really simple thing which I thought was a little bit tokenistic to begin with she said i found out that one of my team members is going through a really bad divorce and now that makes sense that makes sense why you know why she's been kind of a bit distant and stuff like that and so but now i've been able to put her in contact with hr to put things in place so you can almost act as a conduit a mental health conduit do you see what i mean when you've got this information when you've got this data to work with So I think it's incredibly powerful, such a simple question. And then lastly, always ask, okay, so what can we do to make things better for you over this next week? You know, or what can we do things to make things better for us over this next week? So those three really simple questions, if you ask them consistently over you know if you ask them every week and you ask them consistently over time you're going to build trust and you're going to build psychological safety because i think when we've got psychological safety within an organization we are much less likely to be experiencing burnout as it is so i think it's all about it's, it's less about thinking right how can we firefight? it's less about thinking how can we just stop people from from pushing from being pushed over that edge just as they're about to and more about how can we actually as an organization create this culture that's going to prevent burnout that is going to get people speaking out as soon as they are recognising some signs if that is the case if that makes sense but hopefully you know if you're if you're putting things in place to help tackle all of the root causes of burnout then it's it's you know it's it's not going to be happening very often
0: it all makes so much sense to me doesn't it it, it, it all it all makes so much sense because it it does when you put it put it just so succinctly that it's about humanity. It is about approaching people as though they're people and not as work-related auto It it makes so much sense. I wanna ask you about your experience in in working with companies and working uh, not only in the United Kingdom, but uh, as you said, in the United States as well. Uh, And, I would say that geography is almost irrelevant there, that the same causes are the same causes and the same issues are gonna be coming up. When you go into some of these businesses, what are some of the first things that you challenge these companies to think about and to talk about? Companies that haven't even begun to think about the, the effects of burnout, or much less how they can adopt a, a holistic policy to make it uh, to make it less of a mess of, a, less of a, a thing. What are some of the first things that you ask them to think about?
1: Yeah, great question. Because obviously it all depends, it does. Um, But, you know, I think one of the things that I always ask them to do, um, and I think, again, this is really, really difficult for a lot of organisations, especially the ones that I'm working in, because, you know, I tend to work with organisations where there are a lot of high performers, you know, and there are a lot of, they're very target driven, they're very high pressured environments and so one thing that i always try and do is is try and get the leadership team to kind of start you know putting people first and putting relationships first before kind of almost putting the kpis to one side and the targets to one side just so that they can begin to to get to know each other to it's it's really you know michael it's not i'm not going in and i'm not saying okay you know this is a brand new uh you know approach that you need to be putting in place that's really like groundbreaking or you know it's it's not an overhaul it's about really simple strategies um that build up over time and you know this is it's about just creating space to listen to people i'm asking people to slow down to stop to listen You know, to listen to the data, to stop thinking that they're going to get in all the information when they put out a staff survey and start thinking, actually, I can gather really valuable information just by asking a couple of questions, you know, throughout the week and planning it. I always say as well, plan, plan, you know when you're going to talk to each of your individual members. Don't just, you know, this is so important. You know, creating culture is more important than, you know, it shouldn't be off the cuff. We should be thinking about when we're going to have those conversations and we should be putting everything aside. You know, it's about not going into these conversations with any kind of agenda or any judgment. It's just about getting to know people getting to know people better. I've gone on, off on a bit of a tangent there, Michael. I'm sorry, but it really is, you know, the one thing that I really do encourage. And it, and it is really, really difficult as these days uh, in this kind of world that we're working in right now because so many organisations have gone to working you know, fully remotely, which I know you are, uh, or in, in a hybrid fashion. So kind of those relationships and those connections have really kind of gone to the wayside. But they are so important that, you know, we, we're not going to have psychologically safe workspaces without it.
0: That's something I wanted to ask, because there is this push, isn't there, for returning to the office for bringing uh, bringing that quote unquote culture back to life and that uh, remote work is uh, you know begrudgingly something that a lot of businesses are dealing with, but they would really like people back in. But there are businesses who like like MBK Search, who I work for, who are 100 percent remote. Uh, you've you've obviously worked with businesses who who do both. Are there issues which are unique to remote first businesses that don't apply to you know hybrid businesses, or is it actually everything is cut from the same cloth? It's just different different styles.
1: Yeah, I um, I think there are there are certain things that you need to take into consideration when you're thinking about when when you're working with um you know fully remote organisations because. You know we are human beings fundamentally, and you know we thrive best when we feel like we belong, and we feel that we are connected. You know we're social animals, and when you think when you are fully remote, of course you're taking away that that kind of that face to face connection, and you're replacing it with a screen, right? And this is and 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 this has increased massively. I think I think it's something like three hundred. 3,300% 3300% increase in zoom meetings in 2022 okay and this is this isn't natural you know it isn't a natural way of communicating we're not supposed to be you know Face to face, have such eye contact with somebody with people for such a long period of time. The only time we would ever normally be doing that throughout evolution is if we were fighting or if we were mating. Okay, so it is—it's it, not natural. It's not a natural way of communicating. It's not a natural way of developing relationships. And also, of course, when you're face to face with somebody and you're looking at yourself and you're seeing yourself, you're constantly in a hyper aroused state, which means that you're not—you're not as relaxed and as calm as you would be again in a face-to-face situation now the other thing to bear in mind as well is that when you are on a video call you are usually you, you you know you are sussing up or weighing up a person on their professional capability you know what is this person going to be able to do are they going to be capable enough of doing this job are they going to get me results etc cetera, etc cetera? are we going to be able to work together okay now there's a place for that of course but when we meet people face to face we actually, the first things we're thinking are is, okay, how do I, what do I really feel about this person? Is this the kind of person I could go for a beer with after work? Is this the kind of person I could tell, you know, if my kids were up late last night and I'm exhausted? Do you know what I mean? So it's, you know, when we're face to face with somebody, we're building those connections. We're able to, to really pick up on, on those cues. And, you know, we're able to mirror people in ways that we cannot do online. Now I do believe I do believe that people should be able to you know work from home and they should be able to have that flexibility but I also do believe that we need to be making sure that in some way shape or form we are facilitating those face to face relationships because there is research there is so much research to show how relationships at work are important and you know they they without relationships at work You know people don't feel that sense of belonging they often don't feel that they're connected to a higher purpose which means that it's 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 often more difficult to retain top talent you know and people don't feel as happy and rewarded in the workplace without those relationships
0: you've seen a number of businesses across a number of different sectors who is actually doing this really well who is absolutely smashing this
1: (laughs) oh what a question what a question. When you
0: say who um... okay. okay, let me let me rephrase it. I I, I don't want you to uh, you know divulge anyone who you might not feel comfortable <laughs> doing it. But what are some examples you have seen from from businesses who are actually doing who are smashing it, who are doing it, doing the right things, who are absolutely have brought into it more than just a tokenistic kind of thing, but this is now part of their DNA. What are some of some of those examples? <laughs>
1: Right. I'm going to say something here that might get me lynched, but um, I think one thing I will say is that I, I, hand on heart, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I've come across a particular industry or a sector that is, that can say, yeah, we are doing this really, really well, if that makes sense. It tends to be, it all comes down to the ones that are doing it really well are the ones where the... You know, the, the leadership team, the CEO, they, they are really on board and they really get it. Yeah. And I have to say that a, a lot of the time they the teams the, the businesses that are doing it really well tend to have you know, more female leaders than they do male leaders. And again, like I said, that might get me lynched. But I feel like when, you know, female leaders are able, they, they do lead more from from. Energy empathy from, you know, from a vulnerable place. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of the time that that is missing in male dominated industries, in really pressure driven industries. And I think this is one of the reasons why I, you know, why I work in the way that I do, why I really try to bring that empathy and that humility and that vulnerability into a workplace, because it is all about values. You know, it's about values. And it's about, um, you know, how, how alive an organization is making those values so we all have a mission statement every organizing organization has a mission statement but if that mission statement is just something that's written on a wall that isn't isn't being brought to life every single day then it's pointless um and you know the chances are that people within that organization are going to be more you know more prone to burnout. so i'm sorry i don't know if that's really answered your question but it, it really does come down to the individual organization and And I will say, it's not even to do with the size of the organisation, because I have seen some small businesses getting it really wrong, okay? And I've seen some really large organisations getting it right as well. Um, So it really does come down to mindset, and it comes down to, you know, where the leadership team is at. I'd say nine times out of ten, the organisations that come to me are already on the right path, you know, because... That is why they're coming to me because they understand and they recognise that this is something that they need to work on, and they want, you know, they want to grow, they want to develop, and they want to get better. So, you know, that that always screams volumes. <laughs> and I would say that I'm not, you know, I'm not working with as many organisations as I would like to. So there are still people out there that are afraid, I think, to do the work that is required.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it, that we have. Uh, so many, so many different uh, ways of thinking about work, and certainly in the last three years, our entire concept of what we consider well-being at work, and how we can, how we grow and how we develop and how we move our careers forward, has taken an absolute uh, huge hit. And to the extent that it, it's the thinking prior to 2020 is almost almost completely uh, irrelevant now. But it is actually really fascinating to hear that. Uh, and to be honest, not surprising that women-led businesses tend to you know, embrace this a lot more easily than, let's say, uh, male-dominated industries. But when when you come up against, uh, and then, well, I guess when someone's knocking on your door, they're already made that kind of decision that you know, this is something we as a business need to buy into, it's absolutely imperative for our growth, et cetera, et cetera. But you've got to have come up against businesses who think, yeah, this is, she's probably going to recommend something like, you know, give everyone free gym memberships, you know, bring in like company massages once a quarter. Yeah, well, okay, bring her in and let her talk about that. When you come up against that kind of resistance, because I absolutely know you have, what are some of the things that you implore those businesses to think about first?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have been, you know, I come across that all of the time. And, you know, recently I've been working with a business Um, where that has happened, where that, you know, that very thing has been happening. And you know, it it is really, really difficult, Michael, because all I can do, you know, my, my approach is never to be, you know, never to go into an organization and say, right, you're getting it all wrong. You need to do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that just isn't going to work. You know, what I, what I will do is I will, Gather feedback. So, for example, I can give you an example. I worked with um, a, a business um, recently, and exactly that. Um, they had me into. I mean, I had a meeting with the with the CEO, and I suggest I made some suggestions, but they were pretty adamant that they wanted me to go in and 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 do something around well being and nutrition, etc. Um, wellness and nutrition with their teams. Um, however there was you know there was on the back of that as well there were there were comments that were made and there were things that were said that made me think okay you know i'm not sure how well this is going to be received because i'm not sure how well um, we're doing with culture right now so anyway i delivered the, i delivered the the workshop and then it was about having a conversation afterwards with with the leadership team about how they feel it was received the feedback that they they got from it and what i tried to do then is talk to them about about their values and about how they think that they are playing out and what they think that you know would would make a difference moving forward so it's always it's almost like taking a coaching approach with these organizations if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and sometimes i do need to go in and i need to do those workshops and we need to then evaluate how they've gone for an organization to then think actually yeah maybe we do need to do something around xyz
0: if you're a business and you uh, you're hearing this for the first time and it all, it all sounds sounds really good, but this isn't this isn't a conversation you readily have at leadership meetings. These aren't things you you bring up. What is that entry level converse, entry level question that kind of gets the the wheels spinning? What's you know maybe even like the top three questions companies should be asking themselves when they sit down to say, hey maybe maybe well-being is more than just gym memberships guys. what can we do?
1: Sorry, say that again. Three questions.
0: What are those three questions that businesses who have never really had a policy like this before? What are what are the the things they should be asking themselves to kind of get the conversation started in a meaningful way?
1: Do you mean questions they need to ask themselves as an organisation or ask their employees? Sorry.
0: Absolutely, uh, ask themselves as an organisation. So so it's so it is more yeah. than just a, a, a series of tokenistic gest- gestures.
1: Yeah. Okay. So one of the first things, you know, I always think is is crucial to ask really is you know what values do you have you know have you have you done you know how what are your values i guess how did you come about those values and you know how well do your team understand those values yeah does that does that make sense absolutely because uh, i think that you know that, that is super 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 important you know another thing that you know is really important it, it, to, to, to ask is, you know, how how happy, you know, how happy do, do, is our team, you know, how happy do our people, you know, how, how many times are we experiencing workplace conflict? How many times are, you know, how many times are we having to flag people up for X, Y, Z? How many times are, is there any negative gossip in the office? Yeah. So I think if, this, if there are any signs of any kind of, you know, conflict or negative gossip or anything like that then you know again that's something that is often pushed under the carpet yeah Mm -hmm. and the third thing is you know thinking about the common phrases i guess that are thrown about in within the organization so you know are there things like you know this is just the way we do things around here, or, you know, we wear many hats, or, you know, we're gonna get you to hit the ground running. If there are any kind of signs of those phrases being used in an organization, then again, there is something broken within the culture. And, you know, people, you're not going to be getting the best out of people because that is just showing that, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, it is really really difficult it's a tricky balance and we can talk i can sit here forever and talk in general terms but obviously it does it does depend on the organisation and it does depend on where they're at it depends what what phase they're at because early on in the early days you know very often people do have to put on different hats but it's about you know how long is that going to continue and who is sit, who is sitting you know in, in in what position and what skills are being used most effectively
0: that does sound so much like marketing. I don't think there is a an internal marketing team on the planet who one hasn't been told you'll hit the ground running, and two you're going to be wearing many hats. It's the it's kind of like the the absolute one hundred percent certainty of any marketing teams that you will be will be facing challenges which are basically will fit into one of those two categories. But I want to ask just this final question before we wrap up. And I want to take it right back to that individual level. And I want to kind of imagine we're talking, we've talked about the business from a leadership perspective, but I want to talk about someone who is a junior, a junior level person who joins a, something like a marketing team on day one, or if if they're even looking to, they've been interviewed for a company, and they really want to get a sense that a company has taken this seriously, and this is part of who they are. What are some of those questions that a person looking to join an organisation should be asking that organisation to get that real sense they take burnout seriously?
1: Yeah, great question. Great question. Well, again, I think it's about making sure that, um, you, you know, it's... it's, it's it. it, it It's the age old questions as well of, you know, we should always be asking an organization, you know, what what their values are. And I keep coming back to values. But, you know, it is about, you know, what what are the values of the organization? How are they? You know, how do they come into play every every day? You know, I would be asking about things around flexibility. Okay, you know, how flexible and how much autonomy is someone going to have over there? Position, you know, because obviously, if someone's going to be going in and is going to be micromanaged, then um, that again is going to be a sure sign that they're going to be, um, you know, on a on a road to burnout. I would ask about, you know, how much they the 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 organisation is investing in, you know, in in building relationships, what they're doing to, to do that, um, and of course, it's about. I, I think, you know, one of the questions that I think is really important as well, is to ask kind of how they feel about a person's personal growth and development and where they see um, that they're going to get support with that. Because I think you can pretty much pick up, like I said, like I say so often, you know, words will only tell you a certain amount of the story. You know, we can always tell from the way that someone is, you know the body language that someone is using or the way that someone um, responds to us we can always pick up on on how that organization really feels about their people so i would be asking for examples as well i would be asking for examples you know of what they're doing on on, on what they're doing to to build their workplace culture on on how committed they are to it um you know because i think throwing questions back and letting people you know, respond is, is going to be a real good way of kind of gauging where, where an organisation is at.
0: Absolutely, 100% agree. Well, Rebecca, just before we wrap up, if someone wants to get in touch with you and find out more about, about you and about working with you, what uh, what's the best way to connect with you?
1: So I'm massively active on here. <laughs> so anybody can get hold of me on LinkedIn, just, um, it's Rebecca Heald. Um, it's in my um, on my personal um, LinkedIn. I oh my website is www.moredanutrition.co.uk or you can get me at Rebecca at morethannutrition.co.uk.
0: Fantastic. And Rebecca, is there anything just before we wrap up? Is there anything you would like to say, like final thoughts for for anyone who you know? now wants to you know get on board and you know challenge well not necessarily challenge but bring this into their organization. Is there is there one kind of like piece of advice you would say to them?
1: Yeah I would say if there's anybody here who is listening and any of this resonates with them, then I honestly would have a conversation, open up the dialogue, have a conversation with your line manager because if this is something that gets pushed under the carpet or if this is something that you're afraid to bring up with your line manager then there is something really you know there there is something wrong and something needs to be kind of you even need to you know find yourself an organization where you're going to be listened and heard to or you're going to have to put that line manager in an uncomfortable position in order to make some changes so i would just say just be you know be as open and honest and stop trying to hide away from things and i think this is something that I think one, I know, sorry, this is going off on a little bit of a tangent again. And I, I talk, I do talk a lot about how leaders need to set the scene and how the vision and, you know, the, the mindset of a CEO or, a you know, a director or a leadership team makes a, a huge difference and can, and can build a culture negatively or positively. But I also want to say that us, you know, I say us, but, you know, employees, individuals we can still make a difference we shouldn't think that just because our you know this is this whole thing of you know people can't be what they can't see now that is true to a certain extent and i do talk you know i do i do mention this in my workshops but actually you know if we if as individuals we can recognize what is going on and we can understand that it's not right which our gut intuition will usually tell us then you know we need to be brave enough to make those changes and like i said often that is just not a case of negatively chatting about it behind people's backs or with your colleague it's being brave enough to raise it um, with the next level up
0: and on think on that note that's a fantastic note to finish on rebecca heald thank you so much for your time this afternoon ladies and gentlemen thank you again for tuning in live and if you want to listen back to our conversation on demand This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. It is there. Just search for We Need to Talk with MJO. And we'll be back next week and then the week after because, as always, in the world of marketing and and in the world of work in general, we have issues. and We need to talk. Until then, see you again.